Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. This life can put a lot of demands on us to perform and succeed in business, education, athletics, and even at home. Have you ever wondered, though, what God's definition of success is? What does He want from you? The answer to these questions could be slightly different for each one of us, but there are some foundational elements that are the same for everyone. In our new series, Becoming God's Best for You, we'll explore what it is that God really wants for us individually and how you can become the best version of you as God desires. We believe He wants to speak to you today, so sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. Good morning. We are on the wrap-up phase of this series that we've been in for several weeks now, entitled Becoming God's Best for You. And we've been counting across the gamut of things in Scripture, trying to uh, emphasize things that can make us more, I think, what God wants us to be, experience more what He wants us to to experience in our lives. But we spent the last uh, four weeks uh, before today Uh, talking about different methods that you can use to share the gospel. The reason we did that is this. Uh, We were on a like a four-part titled message uh, dealing with God's best for you. It is found through sharing the gospel or sharing the good news with others. And and guys, here's why I believe that's true. I, I think probably everyone here would agree that the Bible teaches you're supposed to share the gospel. Do you agree with that? You're supposed to be sharing the gospel. Uh, so if, if that's the case and you know you're supposed to be doing it and you're not doing it, guess what's going off in the back of your head? <laughs> You've got this guilt complex taking place because you're not sharing the gospel with others. That will keep you from feeling like you're experiencing God's best because you've got this guilt taking place because there's this thing in the back of your head uh, or in your heart called the Holy Spirit that's saying, hey, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do this, and yet you're not doing it. We will finish the series next week, and I want everyone to try and be here because we've got a, a, a young preacher that's coming out of uh, Shelby. He's part of a church called Hope Community there. He's one of the teaching pastors. He's going to be planning a church in Hickory, and I'll be working with him there. But after I met him, I, I listened to him doing a message online uh, about the Holy Spirit they did two years ago. And I said, can you come preach that for us at day three? And that's going to be the last message in the series. And here's why I felt like God led me to do that. All that we talked about in this whole series, especially the things we talked about the last four weeks about different ways to share the gospel. If you recognize you have the Holy Spirit in you as a believer, and you do, if you know Christ your Savior, the Bible teaches you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, you can do everything we've talked about. Everything we've talked about. In this whole series, if you'll depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do everything we've talked about in this whole series, especially sharing the gospel with other people. So, so his name is Kenny Hall. So pray for him. He'll be with us for both of our services uh, next week. Today, I primarily had uh, three, uh, and the reason I said had, one of them's dropped off the, the radar, and I'll explain why in just a moment. But I had three main goals for today's service. The, the first one is to understand the vital importance of having a good reputation. And, and we'll talk about that. Second main goal was understanding also the need of developing relationships with others that you plan to share the gospel with. And we'll talk about that more in detail. What I had also planned to do was at the end of the service, take just a few minutes 
and ask you to find somebody and practice one of the four methods that we had taught over the last few weeks about sharing the gospel with them. And the things that we talked about was this. I talked about Romans Road to Salvation. Uh, Daryl uh, talked about the ABCs of Salvation. That's a different way to share your faith. John talked about the four spiritual laws. That's a different way to share your faith. And Chuck Campbell last week talked about the three circles of a gospel conversation. And that is also a different way to share your faith. It's the same gospel. <laughs> it's just different ways to approach it uh, that you may feel more comfortable one than the other. But I wanted to ask you to try and find someone this morning to practice. We are not going to do that this morning. And, and here's why. Uh, we have over the last two weeks about seven uh, people that come to day three who have been diagnosed with COVID. Uh, one was through a work situation and then her husband because of her. Uh, another one was through a family gathering uh, and affected this particular lady and her daughter. Uh, and then um, one more uh, in our church. We already knew about two back uh, when they were getting ready to go to Guatemala. One of our teenagers did not get to go to Guatemala because of testing positive, And then her mother did not get to go. So for that reason, because of this new Delta variant and other things, uh, I'm not going to ask you to sit with anybody today to try and practice. But I am going to ask you to practice. Because you can go home and you can practice the gospel with each other, with family members. Or you can practice the gospel with a friend, someone you know you can feel comfortable with, or a co-worker. Uh, because all these things that we shared, you, you need to be doing. You need to be practicing these things. Now, you might be thinking, well, I, but I missed part of it. That's fine. It's all online. <laughs> you can go to our website and watch the videos on all the messages, or you can go to Facebook and uh, look at the, uh, the messages there, and you can also find a file of the uh, sermon document there to look at. So all those various systems, and beyond that, if you need any tips, let us know if you need any, any tips. The main tip I'm giving you today is simply this how important it is for us to have a good reputation and to build relationships if we want to share the gospel with others. That's the main tip we're going to talk about today. Let, let's pray real quick before we get into it. Father, um, <clears throat> Lord, I, I, I pray that you help us today to recognize, to fully understand the need to have a good reputation so we can be positioned in a way that others will view us as being someone they can trust, someone that authentically loves them, somebody that wants good for them, your best for them. Father, I pray you help us to, uh, to understand that need for us to have that good reputation, for us to understand we represent you wherever we go, wherever we're seen, whatever we do. If we know Christ is our Savior, we're to be your representatives, and we are being a representative, whether good or bad. So, Father, speak to us today about uh, that. And, Father, also help us to understand the, the need to develop authentic relationships, relationships with people to where they understand we care for them, we love them, we want your best for uh, their lives, not just your best for our lives. And uh, Father, through that, help us to be positioned in a way that we earn the right to share the gospel with others. Uh, and Father, I pray you help us to go from here and practice and become proficient and be sensitive to your leading and your guidance that we would be sharing the gospel with others. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, so let's talk about um, these two main things, the two goals that, that I had before us. 
The first one is this. It's the importance of having a good reputation that empowers gospel sharing. The importance of having a good reputation that empowers gospel sharing. In other words, guys, if, if, if you're someone that's got a really, really bad reputation and people around you don't necessarily think of you as being a Christian or think of you being any kind of example of Christ, and you've got that type of negative reputation, then it's not very likely that they're going to have this big open heart saying, share the gospel with me. I, I want to hear about the same Jesus you follow because they may be looking at your life and thinking, man, the Jesus you follow doesn't seem to be making much difference in your life. That's why it's important for us to understand the need of having this good reputation. Now, I think the Bible tells us to choose to have this, to choose to have a good reputation. Because in Proverbs 22, verse 1, the Bible says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Uh, the, the phrase good name in the Hebrew means that you've got this definite or conspicuous position. In other words, people view you in this way. It's like there's this mark or this memorial of your individuality. That's exactly what the word in the Hebrew means, that you have this memorial of your individuality. Now, let me stop and, and say this. You've got a memorial of who you are as an individual one way or the other anyway. But what we want to have is the memorial of a good reputation. The memorial of someone that people can, that can trust, that will open up their heart for us to share the gospel with. It says we're to choose that. We're to select it. We're to try it. We're to prove it. We're to test it. Above great riches, above abundant wealth. And it goes on. It says favor. And that's us earning the favor of other people because of our good reputation. Favor is good in the widest sense, is best in the widest sense, more than silver or gold. Just talking about riches again. Let, let me illustrate that maybe a little bit. Uh, I, I should have brought a table out here, I guess, and, and have a bunch of fake gold on it or whatever. I don't have a bunch of gold to bring and put on it. But if we had a table spread before you today, and on that table there were to be gold and silver and jewels, perspective of that is? If I were to give you an option, do you want this or do you want to have a good name, a good reputation? Most people would think, I want that. The problem with wanting this, it is misleading. It doesn't really fulfill you because you just wind up wanting more and more and more and more. And while some people might, if I can buy having a good name, Honestly, you can't. And if you had that spread before you, it's, it's like we're having to make this choice. And the Bible tells us the choice that we ought to make is to have a good name, is to have a good reputation, is to be the kind of person that can have favor with others. So guys, apply that to what we're talking about in sharing the gospel. How strategic it is for us to have a good name, a good reputation when we are sharing the, with others because if we don't have that, they probably don't want to listen. That's why it is very important that we try to have a, a good name. Because as we try and share the gospel with others, it's important how we live our life, the way we live our life. The Bible actually says this. The Bible says if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be different. 
And, and, and here's why I say that. Look at what it says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So, so if you know Christ is your Savior, it's not okay to keep living the old. It's not okay to be just like you used to be. Because the Bible says, if you know Christ is your Savior, you are new. can have a, a good reputation that empowers us sharing the gospel with others. We, we need to be known as people or persons who does good toward others. Be known as a person who does good toward others. And to make that point, I, I want us to look at the example of, uh, of Christ, the example of, of Christ. And it's found in Acts chapter 10, verse 36 through 43, what uh, Dr. Luke wrote about Jesus here in the book of Acts. It says, as for the word that he sent to Israel, and Jesus, of course, is the living word of God, and he was sent to the nation of Israel. He's also was speaking the word of God uh, to the nation of Israel, uh, preaching good news. That's what Jesus was doing, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. Now look at this little parenthetical statement and freeze that in your mind for a minute. Is Lord of how much? All. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he, that's talking about Jesus, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Then the Bible goes on and says, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and they put him to death. Even though he was doing good, they put him to death because that was always God's plan that it would happen, that he would always be the one that would pay for our sins. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, by putting him on the cross. But God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us, to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So let's unpack a little bit of that just for a moment. I told you to remember in your mind that it says he talking about Jesus is Lord of all. Now, just saying he's Lord of all also means this. It does mean he rules all the universe. It does mean he's in charge of all this world. But it also means this. If you say Jesus is Lord of all, that includes your life. That, that includes the choices you make and the way you live your life. And if we want to be positioning ourselves in a way to have a reputation and share the gospel, we need to be concerned about that because Jesus needs to be Lord over our life. And it said that Jesus did this. Jesus set out doing good as he established his public ministry. Now, to, to add some teeth to that, Jesus is the God-man, amen? Jesus is God in the flesh. And even though that were true, before Jesus, as Jesus started his public ministry, here's what he did to kind of put a stamp of approval or a stamp of integrity upon his own ministry, even though he was God in the flesh. 
Jesus went about doing good. And by him doing good, that was empowering the integrity of his ministry. That was opening doors into people's hearts to where when they thought about Jesus, they thought about somebody not that was doing evil, not that someone that was intentionally trying to harm people, but they saw him as someone that was doing good. Jesus had their best interests at heart. Jesus tried to do what he could do, which was really everything, but, but he was doing what he did in their lives to meet them at their point of need. Whatever their point of need was, whether it was a leper or whatever, Jesus said was healing them. So Jesus had this focus of doing good and trying to help people at the point of need that they had. Guys, that stands as an example for us. If we want to have the integrity that we should have in trying to live our Christian lives and trying to share the gospel with others, one way we can help establish that is to treat people the right way. It's to do good toward others. It's to do what we see they need, to meet them at the point of need that they have in their life. And by doing so, we, we can open up the door to try and share the gospel with them if they understand we really love them, we're really concerned about them, we're doing good toward them. If they view us in that way. Also in that passage of Scripture said this, He's going to be the judge of all people. There's coming a day that Jesus will judge everyone. Now, that ought to wake up something in our heart and in our lives. That that lost family member, that lost friend, that lost co-worker, that there's coming a time when they will stand before Jesus Christ and he will be their judge. And that ought to awaken within us the desire to be witnesses the desire to do what he commanded them to do, to be witnesses, to preach to the people the gospel, to share the gospel message with them, and to try the best that we can to go about doing good and follow the example that Jesus set by doing good as he set out on his public ministry. The example of Jesus is vitally important for us to follow because he established his reputation by doing good. And in doing good toward others, he helped in turn establish the integrity of his ministry. And if God in the flesh would take that approach, who are we to think we don't need to take the same approach? We need to do good. We need to have that reputation toward others. We need to recognize Jesus as Lord of our lives and live our lives in that way so we can earn the right, the interest in people's lives to share the gospel with them, to be honest with them and completely share the gospel with them. Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You know what the problem is? I think that many of us experience in doing good. We'll set out and we'll start doing good towards someone because we want to reach them with the gospel and we're trying to share the gospel with them. We're trying to influence their lives in a positive way. So we're trying to do good. But then there might come a point in our time we start thinking, man, I've tried. I've tried to do good to that person. I've tried to help them. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And it just doesn't look like it's going anywhere. You know what we have a tendency to do? I'm 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 done. When the Bible says we don't need to grow weary of doing good. You see, it may not be on our timetable. It says, for in due season we'll reap. You may not see the impact, the influence, a person coming to Christ when you want to see it. But God says, hey, keep doing good. Keep trying to minister to them. Keep trying to reach them. Because in due season we'll reap if we don't 
give up. Don't give up too fast on people. We need to try to do good and, and be that model for, for their lives. Second main goal that I had for today is this. We need to also recognize the need for developing gospel-sharing relationships with others. The need for developing gospel-sharing relationships for, uh, with others. Now, now, listen to what I'm about to say because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I am not saying never share the gospel with a stranger. <laughs> I am not saying never walk up to someone that you don't know and give them a testimony and try and lead into sharing the gospel. I'm not saying don't do that. I, I've even had some reports over the last few weeks of, of some of our members maybe doing that with a waiter or a waitress or somebody else that they, that they bumped into. If the Holy Spirit is leading, especially in that direction, it doesn't matter if it's a completely stranger. I'm not saying don't do that, okay? What I am saying is this. If we are building effective relationships with other people, we will be much more effective in sharing the gospel with them. Because if we're building a relationship, an authentic relationship, a loving relationship, a caring relationship with that person, Doing so helps to open their mind and their heart that what we are trying to share with them, we really, really mean it. We really, really want them to experience it because we believe it's God's best for their life. We need to honestly think about relationship evangelism like that. Relationship evangelism has gotten beaten up some over the years a little bit, and maybe it should have because here's what some people do. <laughs> well, I'm being a friend to my lost friend. And I'm just going to keep being a friend and keep being a friend and let them know I'm their friend and, and everything. And, but you know what never happens? They never share the gospel. Missing the whole point of trying to build a relationship with that person. But if I share the gospel, they, they, they may think I'm not being friendly toward them. Well, will they think you were being friendly toward them if they spent eternity separated from God because you never shared the gospel with them? So, so maybe relationship evangelism had earned a bad rap because of that, because people just thought, I'll be a friend, I'll keep building relationships, I'll, I'll buy things for them, I'll help them with bills and everything like that, but they never pop the question about Jesus. I mean, it's so... <laughs> How many of you would be married today if you never popped the question? If you just kept, the, well, she'll know, he'll know, you know, and, and everything, if you never come to the point that you ask. What we need to view relationship evangelism as is this it's building bridges into the lives of others, it's building a bridge into their life to where you earn the right, more or less, to speak into their life. So what I want to do for the rest of the message is just go to some various scriptures, not any points. I'll talk about the scriptures, but just go to some various scriptures that will hopefully help us understand the, the need of us building gospel sharing relationships with other people. First passage of scripture, Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 9. The Bible says, oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Now, for that to make sense, you need to understand what it's talking about in the first part of the verse. In that day and time, in that culture, 
when someone was a welcome special guest in the home, they would anoint them with the oil that has some perfume or spices in it. And that's the reason it talks about making the heart glad. You're in someone's home. You're there as a guest. They want to show you how special you are. So they bring out that oil and they kind of anoint you with it. And it has this fragrant uh, aroma to it. And, and that makes your heart glad because that means they love you, that, that you feel that you're special to them. What it does not mean <laughs> is the putting on of perfume today, the way we view the putting on of perfume today. I have, I'm probably going to make someone upset, I guess, but I, I've been able to track someone five minutes after they walk past me just by following the trail of perfume. You ever been able to do that? Or cologne. I, I mean, one of the last times that happened, listen, ladies, it's your opportunity to say amen. It's a guy, one of the last times it happened. And he had gone up the stairs to the fellowship hall before me and like five minutes later, I go up the stairs and I can smell where he's been. I mean, I've had someone almost choke me out with their cologne and perfume before, wanting to smother me out. with. That's not what he's talking about. That's why I wanted to point out the, the background to it. But the cultural background of it, that oil with that perfume that was making the person feel welcome and special in the home, says, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and, so she's using that as an illustration, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. You want to earn the right to share the earnest counsel of the gospel with someone? To be able to speak into someone's life? That they need to view you as a sweet friend. That they need to view you as someone that really cares, as someone who, who really loves you. And, and, and by doing so, that opens up the door for you sharing the gospel and other counsel in their, in their lives. Galatians chapter 5 verse 14 says this, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul is letting us know the importance of loving others. In fact, he says the whole law is fulfilled by that. And here's what he's saying, I think, by that statement. He said, if you authentically love someone, go to the Ten Commandments for a minute. If you authentically love someone, you don't want to steal from them. If you authentically love someone, you're not coveting what they have. If you authentically love someone, you're not wanting to gossip about them. You're not wanting to murder them. You're not wanting to do anything negative toward them. If you authentically love them, because that type of authentic love will help fulfill the law. Since you love them, you don't do those things. And he's also talking about the love that Jesus displayed, I think. You know, being a full fulfillment of the law. But key in on this, he's talking about the importance of loving others. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If that person you're trying to share the gospel with views you like that, if they feel like you love them just as much as you love yourself, and guys, let's be honest about that. We do a lot to love ourselves, don't we? That's the normal thing maybe that people do. I understand there's abnormality that might take place. There are people who maybe start hating themselves and hating their, their lives. But that's not the normal thing. The normal thing is you're kind of taking care of yourself. Amen? Let me be honest. What have you bought in the last year because you wanted it 
and it was going along with your hobby or whatever. We, we take care of ourselves. So if others feel like we love them just as much as we love ourselves, that opens up the door to share the gospel. That opens up the door for us to speak in to their lives. If you love them as much as you love yourself, how many here want to go to heaven when you die? I mean, I want to see if anybody don't raise their hand. You know, no, I want to go to the other place, you know? If you don't go to heaven when you die, and you want that for yourself, you ought to want it for everybody else. You ought to want it for the person that you're friends with, for the person that you're close to, that you're trying to share the gospel with. We need to build relationships with people to help us share the gospel with them. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says this, Do nothing out of robbery and conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. God's just simple face value. If we count others more significant than ourselves, if we're doing more than just taking care of our own interests, we're also looking and being concerned with the interests of others, that really boils down to this. It means we're really, really, truly, truly interested in their lives. We're concerned about them. By, by taking a real interest in their lives also means this. It means we better understand what they're going through. We better understand who they are. We better understand what they're facing. We better understand their hurts. We better understand their difficulties. We better understand their discouragements and their heartaches and their needs. And as we better understand that other person, that positions us in a way to better share the gospel with them. Because we understand them better and because they understand that we're not just about ourselves, we're also about them. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 talks about the need to meet the needs of others. It says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Another way to translate that is how does that type of action display God's love? If you see someone has a need and you've got the ability to meet the need, but you close your heart off from doing anything about it. Then it goes on in verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Guys, if someone has needs, if they've got authentic needs, and we close our heart to them, why should we expect them to open their hearts to the gospel that we're sharing? If we don't care enough to try and meet the need of that individual, why, why would they open up their heart? How, how does closed hearts of Christians communicate God's love to someone else? If, if we just close our hearts off when we've got the ability to do something to help them. Then that's why he says here we need to love with deeds and in truth instead of just talk about love. Guys, here's why. Practically speaking, it's hard for a hungry stomach to hear the gospel as long as they've got that nagging hunger taking place. And you need to meet that need and also share the gospel with them. It's hard for someone that's freezing to death to hear the gospel 
James kind of put it like this. <laughs> well, someone's in need of food, and we just say, go be fed. So someone is in need of warmth, in need of, of a coat, and you've got the, need to, the ability to do something about it. But you just say, well, <laughs> go be warm. And not doing anything to facilitate them being fed or them being warm. You get the point that he's making there? It's, they'll hear the gospel a lot better if by our actions we prove that they're really important to us and that we really love them and we're trying to meet their needs. I want to close with giving you a warning tip. Warning tip is found in Proverbs 25, verse 17. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, <laughs> lest he have his fill of you and hate you. You might be thinking, well, how does that apply to evangelism? Think about it a minute. Have you ever had someone that keeps hammering you and hammering you and hammering you about something to the point that when you see them come and you think, oh, God, it's them again. And instead of it being a, a positive thing, what's, what, hey, it's them again. Let, let's talk. Let's hear what they've got to say. Instead, it becomes a negative thing. Oh, I can't believe that I've got to go through this again. <laughs> I can't believe that this same person. Is, and, and guys, we need to be aware of this because there's a tendency, even in sharing the gospel, you can hammer somebody so much with it, instead of opening the door, you've closed the door. I mean, that can happen in a lot of things, even in, involving church ministry, you know? We, we can ask you so much to teach children classes, you think, ah, I'm tired here, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Or so much to be involved in this ministry or, or that ministry. We, we had someone a, a few years ago, and, and the guy was being really, really earnest, and he was inviting people to be part of a ministry in our church. And uh, he was trying to build up that ministry in our church, but he started hanging out the front door and catching men as soon as they came in. And after a little while, they got to, oh, I wish he'd leave me alone. Instead of, I want to go be part of that ministry. My, my own son-in-law told me, he's hit me so many times, it doesn't make me want to come. You understand the warning tip in sharing the gospel? You want to lead them in such a way they want to meet you again, they want to see you coming again, they want to hear from you again. And instead of you wearing out your welcome, don't be that kind of person, is the warning tip. Third thing we were going to do that we're not going to do here is to practice, practical application time. Discuss we're not doing it here doesn't mean we're not doing it. Pick out some of the systems we've shared with you. Go home and practice it with a family member. Practice it with a friend. The reason you need to practice this, you ever heard the phrase, practice makes perfect? None of us are going to be perfect in this life, but if you want to be a good baseball player, what do you do? Go to practice. You're a soccer player. What do you want to do? Go to practice. If you want to win multiple goals at the Olympics as a swimmer, as one of our men has done, and some of our ladies too, but one of our men especially, like he's just smoking it, like the fastest swimmer in the world. You, you know what he had to do? He had to swim a little bit in his life. 
One, one of the ladies the other day, I was watching the Olympics the other night, and they're doing the 1,500 meter. You understand what that is? That's 30 laps. And I'm sitting there thinking, I would be dead. I would have drowned it on lap number two. And they traced all of her practice and, and all of her swimming that she had done in her career. And it would be like she started out in Florida, swam across and down below Africa, <laughs> and finished up in Australia. That's how far she was swimming her life. That's why she won that event. She had practiced and practiced and practiced. If you want to be good at sharing the gospel, you need to practice to where it becomes a habit of your life. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, God, I pray right now if there's anyone in this place that does not know Christ as their Savior, that you'd draw them, that you speak to them, that you'd convict them of their need for Jesus. Help them to understand that Jesus fully paid for their sin on the cross. Help them to understand that you call upon them to repent, to agree with you about their sin, to turn from it and turn to you and trust the gospel, the good news message that we have in Christ, that he fully paid for our sins and he took his life back up on the third day to prove that he had done everything necessary for our salvation. So Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know Christ this morning, Father, I pray that you deal with them right now, that you give them the faith they need to trust in Jesus. But Father, for the rest of us that know Christ, I pray you burden our heart more for sharing the gospel. I pray these last weeks where we have shared the gospel will become something very fruitful in our lives and fruitful mainly for your kingdom. That we'll win many people to Jesus throughout the rest of our life. For we ask this in Christ's name. Please stand. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I know I was preaching about how to share the gospel today. But in with that, I was sharing the gospel. And if you don't know for sure, you're ready. Because one of those verses I read said that he will judge the living and the dead. So one day Jesus will be judged. And if you are not ready for that day, because you've never trusted Christ as Savior, and we invite you to do that today. We invite you to trust in, in Christ as your Savior if you've never done so. You might not understand what it means to step out and why we'd ask you to step out publicly and come forward. Well, maybe it has something to do with this. Jesus died publicly for you on the cross. He says he was willing to do that for you publicly. Maybe he wants you to publicly step forward and say that you have trusted him. And as I pray for the rest of us, let's make commitments today to be sharing our faith. Be thinking about someone that you know you need to share the gospel with and make a commitment to do that. In, in two weeks, we're going to shift gears into a series of titled Fill the Tank. And on September the 12th, we're going to participate in something that all the Southern Baptist churches in the state of North Carolina are participating in, and that is we're going to fill a baptismal pool whether we know there's anyone to be baptized or not on that day. By faith, believing 
that there will be. And I already know some that are in need of baptism, and that may happen before that day. But what I'm saying is you've got an opportunity between now and then to bring somebody to Christ and to bring someone here and let's help them publicly identify with the fact they've trusted Christ as Savior. If God speaks to you, we invite you to come. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances, and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.